This is Restless. Welcome back to Restless, a post-mortem on the young, restless, and reformed. And we are coming to the end of this week of celebrating 100,000 downloads for the for for it all for it all for the show pastor michael <laughs> for, for the show i hope that by the end of this week by the way uh, we're sitting here before this week or at the beginning of the week but i hope that by the end of this week we have 200,000 we i hope we didn't chase you away uh, especially with our episode where we did a TGC article that neither of us were prepared for charlie south if you were <laughs> if you were a subscriber to restless and you left i'm so sorry man yeah, we We'd love to have you back, um, but Pastor Michael, we uh, there's something you owe the show. You owe us an update, and so you know, as this week was leading up to, I shared some things online to see what our listeners were thinking about. You know, I asked them to give a piece of advice to the YRR, which was a huge mistake <laughs> because I misspelled "peace," and so all the advice was learn to spell. So thanks, internet, for being. <laughs> Uh, the internet, like you guys were totally on brand there. That was great stuff. So, um, and then we also asked, like, what's the most interesting thing you've heard on Restless? And we had some interesting uh, responses. We had someone say Amish hay balers. Wow. Hey. Yeah. Shout out to them. Hey. So we had someone talk, say that it was really interesting <clears throat> when they said Anglicanism is the de facto future of evangelicalism. So stay tuned next week when we will discuss that at length. We had hearing about the YRR from a sociological perspective. We had someone say, Discipled by creeds made me study the Westminster Confession of Faith for the first time. So thankful for that. Yeah, shout out. That's awesome. And that you have the best running joke that we'd love to have you on the show. And we had some people send some clips from when we talked about John Piper's talk comparing old Calvinism to new Calvinism. And we had one more shared with us, and it said... That maybe having communion at my wedding wasn't the best uh, idea. Oh, hey, 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 we're sorry, man. We love you. We love you. And <laughs> we've all done this stuff. We, we said on the show, I have presided over communion when I should not have. Yep. You know? and so, so we're glad everyone's hearing things that are interesting, that they've never heard before, and we're happy to do it. And I am so excited today because I am going to get to begin to hear something I have never heard before or read before. But Pastor Michael is currently reading. Pastor Michael, are you ready to start with the mea culpa of this not being the full review of Jesus and John Wayne? Yeah, it's going to be a while. So um, a while back, I don't even remember what, but for some reason you pigeonholed me <laughs> into something like if we get enough likes or reviews or whatever it was, I don't even remember. But now I have to read Jesus and John Wayne. Uh, and so, but people seem excited about it, uh, which is... Uh, great. So um, I was sick this past week, and so it gave me a chance to sit down and actually start reading and, and working through it. Um, let me just say, it might be a little while. Um, this book is way bigger than I thought it would be. <laughs> so why? I, that was what the first thing that impressed me. This is a long book. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, at like you know, at the size that I have it on, this is you know on uh, Apple Books. So I don't know. It probably changes based on the size that you you uh, have it laid out but i mean it's it's something like a 250 to 300 page book that's my guess i don't i don't know what it is in like physical form um, but that's what it that's what it says depending on what size i make it on my you know window on my computer this is that's a long book 
for this topic, at least to me. Maybe there are people out there that are really enjoying this, but it's tough. Uh, it it's tough to get through. So so it's not a so you're not loving the read so far. Um, it's hard. It oh. is. Uh, it's pretty brutal. Let me just here's literally the first words of the book. On a bitterly cold day in January 2016, oh. Donald Trump. That's these are. It's literally how the book opens. Now, uh, what's hilarious is that uh, the the whole introduction uh, ends, and I'll really just talk about the introduction at this point, probably. But the whole introduction ends uh, talking about this story of white evangelicalism, and you know how it's just destroyed everything, basically. And it's got all these like kind of ins and outs, and these you know uh, you know preachers and theological innovation and self help books and all this stuff. And the very last line is. It does not begin with Donald Trump, nor will it end with Donald Trump. Which, obviously, like, you know, like, sure, like, she's saying that the story of white evangelicalism didn't begin with Donald Trump, and how did we get here? But she starts her book with Donald, literally, like, basically the first words are Donald Trump, and then the last words of the introduction are, like, it doesn't begin or end with Donald Trump. I'm willing to bet that toward the end of the book, too, in the conclusion, I bet it'll Donald say something Trump. about Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump is coming back. <laughs> so it's clear that, Debatably, like... Debatably, the last word of the book will be we'll Trump. See. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to find out. So I haven't gotten there yet. I, I, I guess I shouldn't say just yet. Oh, um, man. So just in the introduction, the phrase white evangelical and, you know, white nationalist and Christian nationalist and all of these, like, gotcha terms are used so many times. It is... It, it is actually difficult to like keep up with it. Um, most of the, literally just like most of the sentences are difficult to like get through because they are all just these like, these big terms that are like Find the, us an the bad guy terms. Find us an example yeah. of one of these sentences because- I, So I've started to try to categorize <laughs> all of the different things. I've got like three or four different kinds of highlights as I go through. Cause you were, cause originally you're like, oh man, I'm gonna count how many times white and white evangelical uh, is yeah, used. So white, and then you gave up yeah, immediately. White, white, white was used 39 <laughs> times in the introduction, and I was like, I'm done. I, I'm not, I'm not going to keep doing wow. this all the way through. But I'm trying to be as thorough as I can for everybody. Sure. So let me try to find a, a quote. So there's a lot of, like, you know, categorization at different times, right? So, you know, uh, white evangelical Protestants, where she's at when she says this, is what what makes, like, white evangelical Protestants so much, like, worse than everybody else, basically. Sure. And by the way, this seems a little bit personal because she talks about growing up in Iowa. Um, she apparently, like, you know, in, in her uh, hometown, I think she went to Dort. I, uh-huh. I can't remember. And then went to Calvin College. Like, she's very, like, like uh, Iowa... Uh, like Calvinist, you know, like, uh, uh, like, you know, kind of CRC reform sure. kind of, you know, that kind of uh, variety of, of people. And she talks about how, like, you know, she went to school with these people and she grew up with these people, went to church with them. And then the majority of her county voted for Trump and how she was just shocked because she, like, how could these people, like, have done this? Which I'm willing to bet that, like, having known a lot of people in and around Iowa, <laughs> that that would not have been crazy right. if you knew a lot of the people. Right, no. <laughs> like, you were pretty insulated, in other words, if this came as, like, just a weird shock to you. Um, and, and who knows how much of this, like, this is clearly written as, like, like this is exactly what you want to hear if you're in progressive liberal Christian right. circles right now. Um, but she talks about the, the problems of white evangelicalism, uh, and, and white, specifically white evangelical Protestants, because they support... Uh, more than any other religious demographic in America, according to her, they support preemptive war, they condone the use of torture, and favor the death penalty. Even right there, those three put together, 
Yeah. As if they're all the same. So this is what we're going to do throughout this whole oh, book. It's... Is we're going to like, we're going to put, it's going to be like, poison pill, totally normal thing. Yep. <laughs> like, that's exactly what it is, right? Yeah, preemptive war. Yeah, super problematic. Torture, probably problematic depending on how you're defining it. The death penalty, instituted by God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Like, yeah. this, you know, it's Here we go. Here we go, though. Uh, they are more likely than members of other faith groups to own a gun, to believe <laughs> citizens should be allowed to carry guns in most places, and to feel safer with a firearm around. Wow. <laughs> maybe it's because we're in the Midwest, and maybe yeah. those of you who live in, like, a big city and are listening, um, if you're in New York City or yeah. something, maybe that sounds crazy, but I, yeah. I mean, all those sound like perfectly fine things. Right. I would think, like, if I walk around and I see somebody just, like, with a gun holstered on their hip, it, like, I don't think of it as, like, oh, no, that's a problem. Right. You know, mostly because I know that the kind of people that do that are almost always very well trained. They have to get a license to do it. They have to, like, I mean, it's not like right. it's just some, like, uh, random guy who's doing this. But the the idea that that is thrown in. With a lot of uh, a lot of you know uh, other things too, right? So she goes on to say, white evangelicals are more opposed to immigration reform and have more negative views of immigrants than any other religious demographic. Two thirds support Trump's border wall. So like again, you know, you're throwing all these things together as right. if they're one and the same, right? Sixty eight percent of white evangelical Protestants. There it is again, right? It keeps keeps reusing phrases like that. More than any other demographic, do not think that the United States has a responsibility to accept refugees. Sure. You know, so like these, what happens here, and this is how I would describe most of this book so far, is um, it is pretend history. It's like it's like trying to do history, but it's just it's just your personal interpretation sure. of things. It's just how you feel about things, and you have studies to back it up because everybody does. Right. That's easy, right? There are lies, damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's that's the reality of things. You can. You can twist any of these well, things. Well, and this is why you have to keep doing the white evangelical Protestants compared to anyone, right? Like, right, exactly, what exactly. About evangelicals in general. Yeah. What about what about the massive amount of like Latino pro- evangelicals? What about Protestants? You know, how many of these evangelicals attend church regularly? Yep. What does it mean? What does it even mean to be an evangelical? It, right. She does describe Christian nationalism. She says okay. Christian nationalism. Uh, which is, she says, the belief that America is God's chosen nation and must be defended as such. But moving on, Christian nationalism and Christian nationalists is just used basically in place of white Protestant evangelicals. It's just used almost completely interchangeably. And so it's just, it, it is infuriating because, like you said, like there's a lot of these like poison pill kind of arguments. Right. Like here's this horrible thing. And we move on to uh, something that is uh, actually not near as bad. Can I say one thing? I am. I would be totally unsurprised if evangelicals today had views that were sinful, because they're sinful people. Right. I know. Like, you know, like that. That even but, when I hear some of those things, I'm like, well, yeah, I know that there are people that believe some of these that are yeah. not right views in my mind. I don't believe that they're biblical. I don't believe they're righteous. And that's not like a oh what. Like right. they say they're a Christian and sometimes they're not exactly right about everything. But this is really, they say they're a Christian. They voted for Donald Trump. It's 100, it is 100% <laughs> like Donald Trump, like broke a lot of people. And this book has to come out of that. Right. Um, so now here's, this is a good one, right? This is a real gotcha to you. Okay. Who, you think that you read the Bible, but have you really read it? Evangelicals claim to uphold the Bible as the highest authority in the Christian life. But there are more than 31,000 verses in the Bible. 
which ones are considered essential guides to faithful Christian practice and which are really which are readily ignored or explained away. In like manner, when evangelicals define themselves in terms of Christ's atonement or as disciples of a risen Christ, what sort of Jesus are they imagining? Is their Savior a conquering warrior? A man's man who takes no prisoners and wages holy war? Or is he a sacrificial lamb who offers himself up for the restoration oh, of all no. things? Oh, no. How one answers these questions will determine what it looks like to follow Jesus. Which is not wrong, kind of. Like, right. But the very idea that it's like a gotcha, like, guess what? There's a lot of verses. Which ones do you follow? Right. It's like, well, this this is the Christian life. What are yeah. you like? What are you oh, even man. trying to say? The answer is all of them are essential. Yep. And... But again, well, this even this like this dichotomy of who Jesus is. Is Jesus a man's man? Yeah, he probably was. He was a carpenter for 30 years. And at the end of time, he will come back and he will judge the living and the dead. And he will throw this book into fire. <laughs> well, here, so let me give you this. But, is, I just found one of the better like lines where it's like crams all these terms together. Sure. Right. So although foundational to white evangelical identity. Race rarely acts as an independent variable. For conservative, <laughs> right, for conservative white evangelicals, this the next sentence. It's just like another <laughs> sentence. For conservative white evangelicals, the quote unquote good news of the Christian gospel has become inextricably linked to a staunch commitment to patriarchal authority, gender difference, and Christian nationalism. <laughs> and all of these are intertwined with white racial identity. Okay, so how many times was white used? How many times? But just think wow. of all those things that are put together again. Wow. Okay, like Christian nationalists, uh, you know, conservative white evangelicals. But notice too, it's it, the gospel has become inextricably inextricably linked to a staunch commitment to patriarchal authority, which depending on how you define it, could just be like the patriarchs. The Bible talks yep. about this, right? So like depends on how you define it. Yep. Right. Patriarchal authority. So it, that could be a problematic thing. It could be a not problematic thing. But even Russell Moore. (laughs) Right, even Russell Russell Moore. Recently, uh, he wouldn't say that anymore. But he was, uh, he said patriarchy is good for women. That's right. That's right. I'm with Russ. We're we're with Russell Moore. Uh, But she says patriarchal authority, gender difference. I know. She throws gender difference in as if it's like this crazy thing. She does this too with um, various times where she talks about Islam as if like the fact that some Christians don't think that uh, Islam growing is the best thing that could happen to America is like a real problem. Like that shows that there's a problem. Boy, you better love patriarchy. <laughs> exactly. Like that's what's so crazy about this. And this is, I said this on Twitter and this is where I think this really comes out is that this is a conspiracy theory. Mm. This is, this is, this is Alex Jones, right? This, this is the same thing. What you are doing is you're taking a few like clips. You're taking a few people you're taking a few ideas or historical events and you are tying them all together in that like you know uh in that one meme with the guy with all the you know all the lines uh uh, all the lines you know all these different newspaper clips and everything and like like you figured out this amazing thing you haven't right like but you like this is a conspiracy theory yeah it absolutely is. and you divided the one thing i wish you tried to keep together jesus as a ruling king and jesus as the sacrifice for the sins of the world. Yeah. You said, we got it. You better divide these. Right. Everything else has to go together. And you know what's even more shocking about this conspiracy theory? I don't want everyone to forget. The key is going to be John Wayne. Yeah. Like <laughs> At the, some the, point. The thing that holds everything together is John Wayne, which we've talked about. Like, 
I don't remember ever like having grown up in white evangelical Protestantism. Yes, like that's in what the you Midwest, call it, in close the Midwest, to where she is, where we had an American flag up front on the stage. That's right. I don't remember anybody ever like saying like our real example in life is John Wayne, <laughs> or even say or ever say, or even just bring him up. Yes, <laughs> like I maybe watched a John Wayne movie once. Yes. You know, like that's that's At about my it. Grandma's house. Right? Yes. I know it was right. So here's, like, again, other ways that she does it. She, you know, draws, you know, out this, you know, uh, she talks at one point about how horrible Lifeway uh, Christian stores are because uh, when Rachel Held Evans and Jen Hatmaker ran afoul of conservative orthodoxies related to sexuality and gender, Lifeway stopped carrying their books. But they carried uh, some kind of, like, you know, pro-Trump book. And even worse, R.C. Sproul and Abdus Salib's The Dark Side of Islam. Like how could they, how could they carry this Christian book about Islam when they wouldn't carry these books that were talking about how like, uh, you know, gender difference isn't real or like you know uh, the the roles of men and women that the Bible talks about we shouldn't follow right, those. A year of homosexuality she, is fine. Yeah, where where Rachel Held Evans attempted to prove that biblical femininity was a farce by trying to live absurd. according. To the holiness cult of Leviticus as a woman. Yep. And to show how ridiculous right. that was. To show how ridiculous that is. I don't have a super high opinion of Lifeway, but I I feel it's growing. Dude, way to go, Lifeway. Lifeway. Yeah. yeah. Like seriously, shout out to them. Uh, so uh, anyway, we could go on, and I will. I yeah. I don't know exactly. You can even tell in how I'm talking about this. Right. I don't know how to bring this all together coherently. I I, I mean I think one thing we need from you is we need to know. You know, we need to know the large strokes of where this argument comes from. We need to know what this argument is. Because everything you've said so far, I do not know the point. Other than, and obviously we need to know if the secret point of this book was someone voted for Donald Trump. <laughs> she knew someone who voted for Donald Trump. Um, and but, she does, she talks a lot about like people who supported Trump and, and all of that. Um, she does bring up John Wayne in the introduction, obviously, because... This is where it crosses over and John Wayne becomes important is that John Wayne is a picture of like the American ideal of like manliness. Sure. And so because he's a picture of that, she's going to say and does kind of say like that became the picture that the same picture of what kind of Christian identity looks like. Like the ideal masculine Christian is the same as like the culture's, you know, kind of nationalist hero, which is John Wayne. Sure. He's like, you know, because he is, it, there's a, there's a whole lot. I, I will, I will try to break down and categorize these things. Like I said, I've, I've seriously like four or five different like highlights and things because there's so much and I don't, I don't know how to like break it all down exactly, yeah, except yeah. to read clips and be like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. this is absurd. Now, here's what I want to say, just to add, as much as I think it is a conspiracy theory and absurd, the thing about conspiracy theories is they sometimes get things right. And that's what makes them somewhat believable. This is All what right, draws Joe people Rogan. in. All right, <laughs> Joe Rogan. There, there are some parts of them that are actually like, you I just, know, uh, I just want our interesting. Lis- I want our listeners to know while he finds this that out of solidarity with Neil Young, I learned who Ye- Neil Young was. So, Conspiracy theories do hold some truth, and that's what makes them believable at times. And some of the instances that she pulls out in evangelical history in America and the, the like, the overlap between like American identitarianism and evangelicalism is it's bad. Yeah. Um, and, and so, 
So even our criticism of her, which has, which likely will be profuse, it will. is not. It cannot, cannot be a total denial that these, that this idea of American as I'm a Christian because I'm an American, is not is not something that is never happened, right? We're, we can't. We're not saying that at all. Yeah, and it's bad. And the use of like uh, evangelical influence and power to try to make like certain political ends. Mm. Um, so she says a lot about Billy Graham. And, you know, I've recently I read, uh, recently meaning in the last, I don't know, three years or so, I read the book, uh, The Preacher and the Presidents, which I highly recommend, by the way, um, if you want to actually like see some of the like really weird overlap in uh, kind of the, you know, evangelical influencers and uh, the political machine in Washington. But it traces Billy Graham's relationship with the presidents all the way from, you know, uh, Truman through, I don't know, probably Obama at that point. I don't remember how far it goes. Hmm. Uh, but all the different ways that he was involved in these different presidential lives. And it's it's weird. It is weird how much – it seems clear to me that Billy Graham really wanted to be at the center of the political world. Hmm. And he made himself that. Now, this is an example that she pulls out of, like, the way that – uh, what she calls, you know, white evangelicals or Christian nationalists would always spin things. Even when things were really bad, they would spin things to the benefit of America. Mm. So one of the things she uh, tries to point out, and I, I think, again, she stretches this a bit. But she points out that there are many, like, so-called conservative evangelicals that were very pro-Vietnam. Mm. And that defended Vietnam even when some of the atrocities that happened during Vietnam at the hands of Americans started to come out. Mm. Now, I do think that there's ways in which you can spin it, again, the opposite way, right? Like, sure. we, oh, like America's the worst possible thing in the world for what it did in Vietnam. Right. So there, like, there's a nuance. It was way. a truly complicated. It was truly, like, war is complicated. And a slow-moving disaster. Right? If somebody ever just, like, comes in, it's just like, oh, it's obvious. Right. It's clear. When it comes to something like war in this kind of situation. In the, and in the moment. And not in the hindsight. Moment. Yeah, right. It, it's just, it, it is not as clear. Now, there are some things that are clear. So this is an example she gives uh, of some of this. Um, she talks about um, the My Lai Massacre. Uh, the My Lai Massacre was uh, a situation where, uh, you know, a soldier um, seemingly went rogue and he killed something like, it's something like 500. Oh, wow. Mostly, it seems, innocent men, women, and children mm. in Vietnam. Uh, and this is an American soldier. Um, so when this started to come out, there were some that wanted to defend it. Hmm. Right, they they wanted to make it look because they didn't want America to look bad. Sure. And so apparently this is something that Billy Graham did, which I had never heard. I didn't I didn't know about this. Uh, but it says, uh, you know, when the young Army Lieutenant William Calley faced trial for his role in the murder of some 500 Vietnamese men, women, and children in what came to be known as the My Lai Massacre, Billy Graham remarked that he had never heard of a war where innocent people are not killed. So kind of defending it. Now that's a you know, that's a quote out of place. Maybe it wasn't that bad. It gets worse. Okay. Okay. Um, and this is Billy Graham, right? He's like the he's like the picture perfect, like he's the evangelical guy. Right. If John Wayne is not the picture perfect, like what an evangelical man is, Billy Graham is. Billy Graham though. absolutely is. You could have done yes. this book as Billy Graham. Jesus you know? and Billy Graham. Jesus and Billy Graham. He told two of horrible, quote-unquote, stories he'd heard from missionaries of sadistic murders by the Viet Cong. And he reminded Americans that uh, Vietnamese women and children had planted booby traps that mutilated American soldiers. His moral reflection in the pages of the New York Times was remarkably banal. 
or banal. And so she, she quotes this, and this is, seriously, this is, oh, it's so bad. He apparently writes, we have all had our my lies in one way oh, no. or another. Perhaps not with guns, but we have hurt others with a thoughtless word, an arrogant act, or a selfish deed. The who am I to judge? Oh, my goodness. Like, so that just the, number one, like, we make the jokes about, yeah, like, you know, the youth pastor is going to be talking this week about how, you know, uh, you know who, uh, you know who was, you know, uh, rioting for freedom once. Well, it was, you know, the Jews at this time. Like, just trying to con- compare contemporary events with something that happened in the biblical right. story Wait, and do sorry, it really let, poorly. Let me do the, the Canadian yeah, truckers yeah. a little bit better for you. Oh, you got it. Who was riding for freedom? Well, the freedom you need rode in on a donkey, <laughs> yeah. meek and mild, not on a truck <laughs> threatening that poor prime minister. He rode in meek and mild. There That's you how you, you do got it. it. See, I wasn't, I'm not practicing. I know, it. you're I'm, not, I'm you not weren't good. quite ready. But yeah, but, but this is that example. This is that example to the worst extreme I can think. You just took a, a massacre like yep. and what is historically now like we we have time on this right yep. like w- we see this now as a very wicked atrocious event and you said of this massacre of up to 500 people we all have our my lies with a thoughtless word right as if that were in any way even close to comparable because even if billy graham was trying to hold the position of this was too complicated there were women involved children were planting booby traps how could right like the fog of war innocence dying war then it's then we don't all have our own personal my lies because I have never faced a thing as complicated, scary, or difficult as making a decision in an active firefight in a jungle. Yep. No. It but just... that. But but once you're like, oh yeah, we've all we've all thoughtlessly with our words. Oh, it's so that like when you read that, I think, oh man, even if this is a conspiracy theory, that is wrong. Yeah. At almost every turn. Right this kind of world has it coming. Like, this kind of, like, evangelical religion mm. has it coming. Uh, and, like, it, in a sense, it, I don't know if I want to say it deserves, because, like, there's so much good that comes out of this, too, yes. right? So, it, like, we want to acknowledge the good within the, you know, the put in the scary quotations, the, the white, white Christian, nationalist, Protestant, <laughs> patriarchal, whatever, yeah. you yeah. know? Like, we want to acknowledge that all the good that has come out of that. And yet we can recognize that some of this is really bad. Yeah, and, and it will be interested to see how, what will the alternative be? What will the response? What will be the required response be? Uh, I'm so based on how things have gone so far, we'll see. But my guess is there won't be much of a like. This is what you should do. Sure, it's all and even the places where the you know white Protestant evangelicals are mentioned, it doesn't outright say. Like, here's the really bad thing about them. They like to carry guns. It infers it. And anybody who knows how to read will read it and think. The author of this thinks these are bad things. Right. She does not necessarily come out and say that. Which is why, like, you know, in more recent days, there's been controversy over, like, you know, does she actually think that something like, you know, homosexuality is a sin? Mm -hmm. Like every Christian throughout all of history has thought. And so, like, there's, but, and she's able to, like, waffle on it. She's yeah. she's able to, like, move around it and, like, not outright answer it. That's that's what this book has been so far. There's not an outright direct, here's, here's what it is. Yeah. So, other than this, I, and it also makes sense why you're saying it's hard to read. And it may be hard to do what I want you to do, which is give me the thesis. Tell me the history according to this. 
Because one, we, you're already having to work through the the just pure gobbledygook of the all the buzzwords. We have to put those in there. Yeah. And that is that is actually just like not good writing. Right. Yeah. The, the fact that you have to load every And it's every sentence it's like <laughs> sentence after sentence after sentence, which yeah. it almost makes it unintelligible. And and two, the actual text is probably meant to be the subtext. Right? Yeah. The text wasn't going to be evangelicals, sixty percent own a gun. That like that's a a flat fact. Yep. But that is not supposed to communicate a flat fact. Yep. And and so it, it is very convoluted. I'm trying. I'm going to try to get this done in the not too distant future. I'm gonna really try to like I mean, I've been trying to keep keep careful notes so that I can go back through and I can try to categorize what exactly I just read. <laughs> it is it's not easy. Uh, but I, I will try. I'll do it for you. The listeners of Restless, you guys deserve this. You know, That's you right. deserve to not have to read this book. And so I'm going to do it for you. But uh, it's tough. But We've I thought all... maybe this would be a, like an introduction to the introduction. This is a, a way to start. Um, this is kind of how it will go, probably. We've all had our Jesus and John Waynes before us. <laughs> <laughs> those, those convoluted, difficult books to read. <laughs> Cast on your burdens. That's right. This is my cross, but I will bear it. Well, we hope you've had a great time this week celebrating 100K. Maybe we'll let a little something else go tomorrow. But until then, later. Thank you, Epic Church, for letting us use the remix of Psalm 134 to celebrate 100,000 downloads.